Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, and whether you call Collective your church home or you are just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take the next step in your journey toward the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. In 2000, psychologists Sheena Iyengar and Mark Lepper from Columbia and Stanford University published a landmark study about jam. Yes, jam. Well, actually, it was a landmark study about choice that involved jam. And so they wanted to find out how companies could psychologically trick people into buying more stuff. And so here's what they did. On two separate days, the psychologists set up a display table encouraging people to buy jam. On both days of the study, they had 24 different jams available for purchase. They even gave each person that stopped by the display a dollar coupon off in order to further incentivize them. And so on the first day, the shoppers at the grocery store saw a display with the 24 varieties of gourmet jam that they were selling, and each person that came was able to taste as many of the 24 as they wanted. On another day, shoppers saw a similar table, except that only six varieties of jam were on display and able to be tasted. And so on both days, people were able to purchase any of the 24, but on one day they could taste all 24, and on the other day they could only taste six. And so their goal was to see which display led to more purchases. At the end of the study, both of the tables ended up getting similar foot traffic, but guess which one sold the most jam? On day two where you could only taste six of the jams, 30% of the people who stopped by the display that day purchased jam. So three out of every 10 people who came, they tested one, two, six, whatever it may be, they went and purchased the jam that day. But on day one, where you could taste all 24 jams before making a purchase, only 3% of the people bought jam that day. And so here's what the psychologists learned. People are paralyzed by choice. People were so overwhelmed by the 24 choices and fear of tasting them and choosing the wrong one or fear of tasting them and getting through the list and going, wait, I forgot what that first one tasted like and going back to it, that what they did was they just didn't choose. And so those people were 10 times less likely to buy jam when given more choices. The psychologists putting on the study were shocked because they originally thought that giving people more options meant that they would feel more freedom to choose. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by choice? More specifically, do you ever feel overwhelmed by by choice because you know what you need to do, but you just don't know where to start? And if you're in that place, you know what you do, nothing. Maybe it's cleaning your house, right? Work is busy, you have kids, life gets hectic, whatever it is, and before you know it, your house is a mess. There's laundry piled up on the couch. Your carpet needs to be vacuumed. The dishes need to be put away so you can do more dishes, which is the definition of insanity. And ultimately, I'm just describing my own house right now. But what you do is you take a step back and you're so overwhelmed, you go, I don't know where to start. So what do you do? You watch Netflix, right? Or you have a paper that's due and you've known about it all semester and you've read all the books and so you have the general ideas, but you stand there staring at a computer and you see a blank screen and the words aren't coming out. And so what do you do? Go out with your friends. So what do you do when you know what you need to do, but you don't know where to start? The psychologist from this study would surmise that you do nothing, that you freeze. And to be honest, I think this is the danger we face in this series. And today is week three of our series called Uncommon, and we're talking about how to treat people with honor. 
And so to treat someone with honor means you treat them as uncommon. And we've talked about the fact that treating someone with honor is based on your character and not someone else's conduct. And so in other words, when it comes to this idea of honor, there are no loopholes. Right? And in this series, I've gotten feedback that people feel challenged. Right? They feel inspired. They want to treat people as uncommon. They want to be people of honor. They want to embrace this as a lifestyle. And while I've heard a lot of people talking about how excited they are about this idea of honor, I just wonder if we don't know where to start, will anything ever change? Right? So you say, I want to honor teachers. You say, I want to honor the military. I want to honor my spouse. I want to honor people in my life. But the more you think about it, the more you become overwhelmed. Because I don't know if I can just start honoring everybody all at once, all the time, every single day, and every single moment. And so today, we're going to be working through this question, where does honor begin? Where does honor begin? And the good news is that God, in his infinite wisdom, knew that if we tried to apply all the Bible says about honor, we would become overwhelmed. There's so much that the Bible teaches us, that God teaches us about honor and how to treat people as uncommon, that what ends up happening is we do nothing. And so God actually says, this is where you start. He gives us a starting point for honor, and this will lead to a lifestyle of treating other people as uncommon. And whether you've been in church before or this is your first time ever, I can guarantee you that you've heard the verse that we're going to be focusing on today. It's thousands of years old. It's part of the Ten Commandments. And when you hear it, to be honest, you're not going to like it. And so this is what God said, Exodus 20. This is how he introduced the Ten Commandments. He says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. And so God's just kind of reminding the Israelite people, his people, that he loves them. Right? And we know what that's like anytime we know someone's going to give us bad news. You know, your boss or your mom or your friend's like, hey, I just need you to know that I think you're awesome, but also you're fired. Right? And so that's kind of what God's doing. He's saying, listen, I'm going to give you these 10 commandments and they're going to be tough, but know from the start that I love you that I came to rescue you. And so we're gonna focus on the fifth commandment that he gives us, and it's gonna sting a little bit, and this is what God said. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother. And listen, I know that some of you are thinking, please, dear God, anything but that, right? You wanna talk about something else. You do want to honor people, but not necessarily your parents, right? You'd rather honor teachers or your friends, and so you want to focus on that, but scripture says, honor your father and mother. And this is the habit that will lead to a lifestyle of honor. This is where honor begins. One of the books I really enjoy is called The Power of Habit. And this book is about how to start good habits and how to break bad habits in your life. And it has this really interesting idea and this theme throughout it. And I've actually talked about this before. And they're called Keystone Habits. And Keystone Habits are habits that when you start doing them, they unintentionally spill over and impact the other areas of your life. Right? These habits actually have a snowball effect that will help you develop and maintain other healthy habits in your life. But they're also bad keystone habits. Right? There are habits that you have that can negatively impact every other ha habit you have, and specifically as you try to develop good habits, they will slow you down. And so I thought about this, and I thought about my own life, and I realized that for me, the most basic keystone habit I have in my life is tied to sleeping and what time I go to bed. And here's why. When I go to bed on time, which isn't often, to be honest, but when I go to bed on time, I sleep better at night. When I sleep better at night, I wake up earlier, and I may be able to have a stress-free morning before my girls wake up. 
I get to take a shower. I spend time praying. I get some work done. Then when the girls wake up, I'm able to solely focus on them, and we have a great morning, right? Elise gets dressed on time. She eats her breakfast. I get to spend some time with Harper. And when Elise is ready on time, then we get to leave on time, and I get to bring her to school on time, and then I show up at work on time. When I show up at work on time, I'm more productive. I get more done, right? There's so many things to get done, but when you show up on time, you tend to <laughs> complete those tasks. So what ends up happening is my day is good. I get my, to my meetings on time. I get stuff done. I cross things off my list, and then I go home when I'm supposed to. When I go home when I'm supposed to, I don't open up my computer because there's more work to do. I spend time with my kids, right? I engage with them, and it makes them happy, which makes my wife happy, which, to be honest, leads to us having a calm evening where they go to bed on time and they eat their dinner and they do what we ask them to do. And it leads to me going back to bed on time because my work is done and my kids are asleep. But here's what happens when I don't go to bed at a reasonable time. So what I'll end up doing is I'll try to get work done and I'll end up getting sucked into Netflix or ESPN. Then when I finally lay down, I have trouble falling asleep because my brain's been overstimulated by screens for hours. Then my daughter, who's eight months old, wakes up in the middle of the night and I'm just angry, right? So I begrudgingly put her back to bed, but I'm actually slow in doing so, which wakes up my wife and that <laughs> frustrates her. Then I get back to bed and before I know it, I've slept through my alarm and I'm rushing to get dressed before Elise wakes up. And I can't get ready quickly enough, so I'm impatient with her because I just want her to get dressed and brush her teeth so I have time to finish for myself to get ready. Right? And if you've ever been around four-year-olds, for some reason, when you ask them to go faster, they actually go slower. So what ends up happening is like, here's your clothing. Please put this on. And she's like, no, thank you. And you're like, cool, we're late. And so what ends up happening is I have to try to be patient with her and not get too angry, which I do. And then before I know it, I'm late leaving for her school. So then I'm late for work. I stress out about the things I have to get done that I'm not able to complete. I'm usually late to my next meeting and my next meeting. And then I have to make a decision. Do I keep showing up late to these meetings or do I start to ignore the emails and the things I have to do? And it snowballs. And so I leave work late. I get home and I get on my computer because I have too much to do. I ignore my kids. I put too much stress on my wife. Bedtime is chaotic because the kids know that our life is hectic. When we finally get them to bed, I'm already frustrated because I know that I have to get them to bed because I still have work to do. And so I'll work while Ray, Ray reads, but we don't connect. We don't talk about the day. She goes to bed, I keep working. And I get sucked into Netflix and ESPN while trying to get stuff done. And before I know it, it's past midnight and I start all over again. You have keystone habits in your life that if you do them, they will lead to good things happening in your life. And when it comes to this idea of honor, the keystone habit is honoring your father and mother. The problem is that that's hard, right? Because we know this, you know this. If you're a parent and you have parents, every parent falls short. Every parent is sinful, but I think that's exactly why God calls us to do it, right? It would have been a lot easier if we looked at the Ten Commandments and number five was honor all people, right? We'd be on board with that. We would do our best to do that, but he says honor your father and your mother. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time today picking this apart because I believe that if you get this, you will actually live a life of honor because honor begins with your parents, and so what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the New Testament, and we're going to read a portion that this guy named Paul writes. Paul uh, was someone who hated Christians, and God spoke to him. He changed his entire life. He ends up writing letters and starting churches. And so one of the letters he writes is to a church in Ephesus, and he actually talks about this idea. And so he talks about this. He brings this idea back to them. He's quoting the Old Testament in Ephesians 6, and this is what he says. So he reminds this church, honor 
your father and mother. He says, this is the first commandment with a promise, because if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. And so what is Paul saying? So what, is he, what he's doing is he's actually teaching what we talked about in the first week of this series, you harvest what you plant. And he's explaining that this commandment actually came with a promise from God. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. That's a promise. That's what God says when he gives them that commandment. But listen, and this is really important. Paul's not saying that this is some magic formula, right? This isn't math. Paul's not saying if you honor your father and your mother, things will be perfect, right? That if you honor your father and mother, you will live until you're 100, you'll be rich, you'll be healthy. That isn't the promise that he's making, And the flip side is true as well. He's not saying that if you've had a hard life, he's not saying if you're sick or if you're poor or if you are struggling, it's obviously because you dishonored your father and mother and that's all your fault, right? That's not what he's saying. What he's doing is he's teaching us, he's reminding us that we harvest what we plant. He's teaching us that honor brings a reward, And Paul is reiterating that honor starts with your parents. Honoring your father and mother leads to a lifestyle of honor that will positively impact all of your relationships. And that's what leads to a good long life. Because you have honor to your parents and your friends and your spouse and the people you work with. And when you have honor in your life and in your relationships, you have healthy relationships. And that leads to the life that you want. And so you don't have to wonder in this series, where do I start when it comes to honor? You don't have to ask that question. You have to wonder, where do I begin? You don't have to think, maybe I just won't buy the jam, right? You don't have to think, maybe I just won't embrace honor because this is where you start. You start with your parents. And when you do that, God will teach you humility. He'll teach you grace. But more importantly, he'll teach you about honor. But if you don't show honor in the home, you won't show it anywhere else. See, I think like this idea of honor, and I think the reason why God gave us this specific idea is because it's hard, right? It's easy for me to honor other people, right? I know for me personally, I think it's really easy for me to show honor to our first-time guest at Collective, right? It really is. I love meeting first-time guests in the lobby. I love setting aside part of our budget and part of our time so that our first-time guests actually honor other organizations that are doing their best to honor other people. I love that, but that's easy, Right? It's easy for you to honor customers in your business because they're giving you money. Right? It's easy to honor a good waiter because they served you well. They gave you the attention that you wanted. But if you learn how to honor your parents, you know what happens? You can honor the bad waiter. Right? And you can honor the person that's been around forever, and you can honor the boss that treats you poorly. Honoring your father and mother leads to a lifestyle of honor. And the question ends up being then, how do we honor our parents? And we're going to talk about two ways, but before I get to them, I want to share something I read in an article about this idea, because this isn't easy, okay? And this is what it says. It says, it's very possible to take this idea of honoring your parents to an unhealthy place if you are unhealthy in the ways that you show them honor. And so this is very delicate, and this is what the article said. Honoring our parents doesn't mean to go back groveling and seeking their approval over and over again. As children become adults, we need to break from needing our parents' approval. And this is really important. If you are an adult and you are still held captive by the approval of your parents, do you know whose fault that is? Yours. Right? The article continued, honoring your parents doesn't mean that you're making yourself vulnerable to their hurtful behavior. It says boundaries are necessary. 
And as we talk about honor, it doesn't mean your parents get to do whatever they want, whenever they want. It doesn't mean they get to walk all over you. In every single relationship, including the one with your parents, you have to have boundaries. You have guardrails, right? We talked about this a few months ago. But just like every relationship you have, whether it's with your family or your friends or your boss or your neighbors, there have to be boundaries. Every relationship also should have honor. And the third thing this article said is that honoring our parents doesn't mean ignoring or denying the past, right? This isn't a fake it till you make it scenario. This isn't a let's just pretend like that never happened. But it means that you show honor to your parents based on your character and not their conduct. So let's talk about the takeaways. Here's two, here's, there's two of them. Here's number one. The baseline of honor is obedience, Honor means that you obey your parents. If you live at home, your parents are your authority. You obey them. Now, you obviously don't obey them if they tell you to do something against what God wants you to do, right? If they're leading you away from God, if they're leading you away from his truth, if they're not offering you the grace that he tells us that we should offer, then ignore them. But if they're trying to lead you in the right direction, you are called to obey them because obedience is where honor begins, I think about my daughters, if I want my daughters to honor me, right? If I want my daughters to treat me as uncommon, the best way for them to do that is not with a drawing that they made during the day, right? It doesn't start with Elise singing me a song or telling me that I'm the best dad in the world. The best way for my daughters to show honor is obedience. Because to be honest, if they disobeyed all day, if all day long I'm asking her to listen to me and I'm asking her to do things and I'm asking her to stop trying to run into the street or spit on the ground, which is her new favorite thing, if I keep asking her to do these things and she's choosing not to, it makes it harder for me to appreciate the ways that she is trying to share her love for me. It makes it harder for me to listen to the song that she made up and think this kid actually thinks that I'm uncommon. The baseline of honor is obedience. And here's why. Because obeying your parents when you don't want to teaches you that the best way to honor someone is to do something that you don't necessarily want to do. Right? Last week, we talked about this idea of who do we honor. And specifically, we talked about how do we honor them, right? the people that we don't want to honor, the people that we think don't deserve honor, the people that we believe are common. right? And the reason why it's so hard to honor those people that are in our life is because we never learn that honor is something that we do even when we don't feel like it. Those of you who lead employees know this, right? The thing you need from your employees is obedience. And maybe you don't call it obedience, maybe you just call it trust, but you need them to do what you ask them to do. Have you ever worked with a bad Christian? You don't have to raise your hand, you all have, I can guarantee that, right? And here's what I mean. When I worked at a hotel in Johnson City, I had an employee that was a very outspoken Christian. She was constantly talking about Jesus and her church. But the problem was, she was a horrible employee. She never showed up on time. She gossiped about guests. She would hang up on people when they were trying to make reservations because she didn't understand what they were saying or because she just didn't want to talk to them anymore. And then what she would do is, as soon as she'd hang up, she would tell other people, you you should come to my church this Wednesday night. And I always get so frustrated with her because Jesus is all about honor, right? That's what he teaches us over and over and over again is to treat other people as uncommon. That's what he did, And so I'd ask her to spend less time talking about Jesus and more time showing people what Jesus was like. And so I challenged her to show up on time, be patient with people, stop gossiping about employees and guests, but it never clicked. If you've ever had a coworker like that, you don't even want to tell the people in your office that you might go to church or even follow Jesus because they mess it up for everybody else. 
Because if following Jesus means you show up late for work, you gossip about people, and you treat people as common, people don't want any part of that. I don't want any part of that. And the baseline of honor is obedience. And if you start there, honor will show up in the other areas of your life. The second takeaway is this. If the baseline of honor is obedience, then the pinnacle of honor is loyalty, right? The peak, the top, the pinnacle, the most important point of honor is loyalty. And we struggle with this. We struggle with this in our culture. In Western culture, the culture we, leave, we live in, it's one of the only cultures that doesn't teach people to respect their elders, right? Asian culture, African culture, Latin culture all teach a great respect for elders, the people who have wisdom, the people who did it so that we could do what we do. And if you come from one of those cultures you, cultures, you grew up in that, you know it. But Western culture doesn't really teach this. The Bible teaches it. Proverbs 16 says, gray hair is a crown of glory. I'm currently working on my crown of glory. Gray hairs are just popping up all the time. So hopefully it's a full head someday. I don't know. Um, but the pinnacle of honor is loyalty. Loyalty, when it comes to your parents, means not giving up on them. Students, one day you're going to move out of your parents' house. You're going to be on your own. You're going to have all the freedom that you long for. And that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. But it's on you to pursue that relationship with your mother and father. They birthed you. They raised you. Don't make them chase you down so they can be in a relationship with you. Here's, one of the, here's another way that you can show loyalty to your parents. And this one's tough. Talk well about them behind their backs. Right? It's easy to disparage your parents behind their backs. In fact, it's normal. Right? And so you say, oh, that's my dad. He gets on my nerves. Or, oh, we might as well show up late too because mom is always late and she's so rude. But if you talk well behind your parents' back, it's countercultural. You will freak people out. But it's culturally accepted that when you're in your teens and your 20s, you're too cool for your parents. When you're in your 30s and 40s, you're too smart for your parents. And when you're in your 50s and 60s, you're too sane for your parents. And so honor is great to someone's face, but do you honor them behind their backs? I mean, think about it. Yes, your parents are messed up. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but they also did some good things. They gave you life. And if you can't speak well about them behind their backs, you probably can't speak well about anyone else behind theirs. Ephesians 4, Paul writes this. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So the question is, do your words build others up? And specifically, do they build up your parents? Do your words give grace to those who hear? Because this is important. It's so much easier to gossip, right? It's so much easier to criticize. It's so much easier to be hateful. But our words are supposed to bring grace to the people who hear them. And those of you who have parents who have passed away, I think this verse is one of the best ways that you can honor them not ignoring, not pretending that everything was perfect, but remembering the good times and speaking well about them. And all of this is nice, right? Like everything I said is nice, but as I got to this point in the sermon, I thought of something my preaching mentor always says to me. He says, if people can apply your sermon just perfectly without Jesus, then you haven't really preached the sermon, right? That's just a TED Talk. <laughs> you know, you could take what you heard in this and you can try honor, you can try obedience, you can try loyalty, and you can live your life. But the question is, what does Jesus have to do with all of this? And so let's bring Jesus into this. When you accept Jesus, here's what happens. All of your mistakes, all of your sins, all of your shortcomings go on to Jesus, 
His perfection then goes on to you. His love fills you up. His wisdom and truth guide you. His grace picks you up when you fall. Mark's gonna celebrate that in a few moments in baptism. That's what happens. God gives you that grace. He gives you that love. He makes you new. And the truth is, when you think about your parents and honoring them, that's what we need, right? We need the love of Jesus to fill us up. We need his wisdom and his truth. And to be honest, we need his grace because we're gonna fail at it and we're gonna struggle with it. And so we need Jesus to help us when it comes to honoring our parents. And here's why we need Jesus, because of all the things that you've been thinking about as I've been talking, right? And see, some of you have been thinking, Michael, this is nice, but it's harder to honor my parents than anyone else. And I think that's the point. All of us know reasons that we can use as excuses to not honor our parents, right? We know the good things that our parents did, but we know the bad things that they did. We still feel the effects of those today. But God never taught us just to honor people who deserve it because honor is based on my character and not their conduct. See, I can give you story after story of the great things my parents have done, but I can also share stories about how they messed up. Right? And the same is true for your parents. I could meet your parents and think they're the greatest people in the world, but you could pull me aside and share some stories about how they fell short. This is something I think about all the time with my daughters. Elise and Harper will be able to grow up and do the same thing about me. They'll be able to share about the good things and the bad. Aside, aside from your spouse, we know our parents' flaws more than anyone else. And add to that the fact that they had authority over us in raising us. And it's harder, in my opinion, to honor our parents than anyone else in the world because they may not deserve it. But that's the point. And the thing that we have to wrestle with is will we have the character to honor them in spite of what we know and have experienced? But the truth is, when I ask myself that question and I struggle with that question, that's how I know I need Jesus. Because I need Jesus if honor is going to be based on my character and not their conduct. I need grace because I'm going to fall short. I need his love to fill me up because I'm not going to be able to offer what I have. I need Jesus. And some of you are thinking that, that you get it, uh, but the problem is you don't know how to honor. right? You're thinking, in my situation, I don't know what honor looks like, and I get that. Because as I've been working through this series and specifically this sermon, I've really struggled to think of hard situations that I could talk about so I could give you some advice, right? I always try to say something like, if you're in this situation, this is how you show honor. And so I thought, if this is your situation, this is honor, right? This is what it looks like. If this is what you're going through, here's how you show it. Or when this happens, do this to show honor. My goal was to give you examples so you could walk away and know how to give honor to your parents in hard situations. But as I thought about these situations, I realized that I have no idea what advice to give. Right? I have no idea. When you're choosing when or if to put your parents in a home against their will and they don't think they need it, but you know they do, I have no idea what honor looks like. When you're dealing with the person who abused you, but the person who abused you is also the person who birthed you, I don't know what honor looks like. I don't know how you honor your parents when they're unbelievably inconsistent. I don't know how you honor your parents when the conversation you need to have is, Mom and Dad, you need to stop coming over unannounced. I love you, but this has to end. Right? I don't know how you honor your parent who walked out on you and said, I don't want to work this through with your mom, so good luck growing up without a dad. I just don't know. But I do know the person I turn to when I don't know is Jesus. I pray. I try to act with wisdom and love, but ultimately I just say, Jesus, please help me. 
And some of you are thinking, what about the parent who hurt me? And I don't mean the parent who you got in an argument with or the parent who you disagree with politically so there's underlying tension. I'm meaning the parent who deeply wounded you. What you do is you deal with that. God never asks us to fake it, right? This isn't a fake it till you make it scenario. He calls us to face it. But it takes courage to make peace with your parents. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier with loyalty. If you want to honor your parents, you have to have the hard and grace-filled conversations with them, right? You have to have those conversations. That's loyal. You stick with people means you have conversations that are full of grace and truth. And hopefully you forgive them. And so your job with all of this is to stop running. Your job is to stop hiding, to stop blaming, to stop excusing, and to be honest. You honor your parents by being honest with them. You say to your mom, I want you to know this hurt me, but I forgive you. I'm still gonna pursue a relationship with you. You say, dad, you left a gap, but I forgive you. I want us to have something. You say, mom and dad, your divorce was selfish, and I was never the same, but I forgive you because I want to be in a relationship with you the best we can. And so collective, as your pastor... When it comes to your parents, I'm begging you, you have to deal with the past. You have to stop the cycle of deception or you will just carry it on to the next generation. And if you don't do that, what ends up happening is you pendulum to the complete opposite side and you do other unhealthy things in the exact opposite way. I've actually realized that this is the reason why a lot of people don't wanna get married or have kids. Right? People will say uh, that they like their career or uh, they love their lifestyle or they just don't desire marriage and kids. But the truth is that you are hurt. Right? And you don't want to get into any situation where you can pass on that hurt. Or to be honest, you don't really want to have to deal with it. And so what you do is you just say, I enjoy being single. And that's somewhat true. But I wonder if behind that is that you're scared to death of becoming like your parents. Right? Or you're scared to death of hurting an innocent little kid the way your parents hurt you. And the reality is only Jesus knows how much you've been hurt and only Jesus knows how to heal your pain. That's why in Psalm 27, he promises this. He says, even if my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord will hold me close. At the end of the day, no matter how much pain your parents have brought you, no matter how much difficulty you have in your life when it comes to honoring them, God says he'll never leave you. He will hold you close. And this is why we need Jesus, right? This is why I need Jesus, because I've been wounded and you've been wounded. And if you don't follow Jesus, I'll just let you know some of the reasons why so many of us at Collective do, why so many of us are part of this thing called the church. It's because we need Jesus. And we can't do this without him, right? And if you can do life without Jesus and you can somehow figure out how to honor your parents without him and you can just do everything fine without him, good for you. But I've realized that I can't. So I just say, Jesus, help. I realize I can't do it without him. Here's the deal. God knew when he gave us this commandment that it would be hard. Right? God knew that we would struggle. God knew that of all the people in the world, it would be the hardest to show our parents honor. God knew that we would fail. And God knew that we just wouldn't want to do it. And I think that's okay. Because God also knew that he would pick us up when we fail. He'd give us grace. God also knew that he'd help us through it. He'd give us the love that we hoped and expected from our parents if it's not there. But this is why we need Jesus. Because even the simple task of showing honor can feel impossible in this broken world. 
Even the task of honoring our own parents who gave us life can feel like a mountain that we cannot climb. So that's why we need Jesus. This is hard. It's not easy to do. Our parents hurt us. There are wounds that we have from them that we're still working through, and we can work through them with Jesus. And so we'll honor our parents. We'll be people of honor, but ultimately we call on Jesus and let him push us through the ups and downs that come with that. Let's pray. God, our, when we think about our parents, it's, it's emotional. God, there are so many things that our parents have done in our lives that are good. God, things that are bad, things that hurt us. God, I, I often think that there's so much more good, um, but the difficult times seem to outweigh them. And so, God, as we think about this idea of honor and we think about where to begin and you teach us that it starts with our mother and our father, it starts with our parents, God, I pray that you're with us as we figure out how to do that in our lives. God, because ultimately, I think it's the most difficult thing to do. God, it's against our culture. God, it's hard. It hurts. So, God, I, I pray this week as we try to be people of honor, as we try to show other people that they're uncommon and ultimately point them back to you, God, I pray that we feel your presence in that. God, give us opportunities to love our parents, to care for them, to honor them. God, pick us up when we fail. God, pick us back up when we fail again and pick us back up when we fail again. But God, I just pray this week that we can really focus on this idea as hard as it is. Because God, you know if we get this right, God, if, if we let you help us get this right, we can show honor to anyone. God, we thank you and we love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen.